morning. Uh, it's great to be here again with you. Here about uh, a little over a month ago, and would you pray for me as we uh, begin, Lord? Uh, would you plant your word in our hearts this morning? Uh, would you open us up in fresh ways uh, that we might um, see and experience you? and that we might bear much fruit for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. One of my favorite places to, to do people watching, I don't know if you have a favorite people watching spot, but is at the airport, and especially the international um, gate where people come in from all over the place, uh, the international arrivals, it, it feels like it's kind of a portal from another universe. People walking through uh, all kinds of different faces and languages. Uh, some people walk through that gate and they seem a little bit confused, dazed after hours of flying. Some people are looking at their phone trying to get the Uber. There's other folks that are standing there with signs you know, they have names on them, like Mr. Hashimoto or something. And they're looking for that person. Uh, and then the best is when there are family members or good friends that are there waiting and just waiting for that face, those faces, those people that they know and love to come. And there's just this rush of great delight. Uh, in Hawaii, everyone would come and put lays on that person. Um, and to be welcomed uh, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And to be a welcomer uh, is, is an amazing uh, gift as well. Welcome and welcomed, uh, it's, a, it's a great coming together. Last time we were here, we asked you to pray for us. Cindy and I are beginning a welcoming ministry with people coming in from all over the world to study at at Cal Berkeley. And we asked you to pray for a specific couple that was coming the next week uh, from Beijing. Uh, David and Summer are their names. And David is being, he's a graduate student at Cal just beginning. Um, And we picked them up. We we, you know, found our way to the San Francisco airport. It's new for us. The parking structure and the arrivals gate. And we got there earlier and just watching for all these faces coming out. And we had met David and Summer on Zoom. So we knew what they looked like. They were coming with a bunch of suitcases and two cats. Um, and so they came and, you know, the Holy Spirit does this matchmaking. The Holy Spirit is uh, able to just bring people who are strangers together as family. And we just, we experienced that. It's so amazing. We experienced that um, from the moment that we met them and got in the car. And they, they were able to stay with us. We have a guest apartment where we were in Berkeley. And they stayed with us for about four days while they were waiting for their apartment. And... We had meals together, dinners. Every night we played 
games, board games afterwards, you know, apples to apples, and uh, all those kinds of things. Um, and uh, we were able to show them around the campus, take them to Target, uh, and but we had more fun than should be legal for an old pastor and his wife, you know, moving to Berkeley. Um, and one of the sweetest parts of our time together was after breakfast each morning, we would do some time in the Word, some devotions, and just talk about, you know, the Bible. Uh, Summer is a new Christian, and David is not yet, but he's very open. Uh, and one of the passages that we looked at is this passage that was just read in John 12. And there, it's just such an amazingly rich passage. But we found ourselves just focused in on this verse um, 24, and we talked about the kingdom of God being a seed, you know, and the gospel coming as a seed and Jesus being a seed. It's small and hidden, and it seems really insignificant, yet when it's full grown, it changes everything. It's more powerful um, than anything <clears throat> imaginable. So verse 24, we're going to focus on that today. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And as David and Summer and Cindy and I were talking about that around the table, it just it just hit me. Like we sitting around this table, the four of us are the fruit that Jesus is referring to. We are part of that fruit. Um, this is the much fruit he's talking about. And verse 32, we also looked at that, has a similar idea. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Um, And we are part of the fulfillment of that. Um, And we here today, Indelible Grace Church, um, we're here because this has happened. Jesus is lifted up, and he is drawing all kinds of people to himself. And we're right in that world. God is at work. And he doesn't just draw people to himself. He draws people that he's drawn to himself to each other. And so we have this new world that is created um, by the seed going into the ground. Um, The Gospel of John, if you look through it, has... um, Kind of one of the themes running through is these signs. There's seven signs that are in the Gospel of John. Um, the first one is Jesus turns water to wine, and it says that was the first sign at the, at the wedding. And there's other ones about Jesus. Signs are basically the miracles, but they're pointing to something. Jesus feeds 5,000, and he heals a man born blind. And then John chapter 11 Right before this, uh, in fact, the, the passage right before this, Jesus raises Lazarus uh, from the dead. His friend Lazarus has been in the tomb, and Jesus goes, and he's been there for um, a couple of days, and there's a whole crowd that goes with Jesus, and 
he's, you know, in these famous words, he stands and he weeps over death. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out in his grave clothes and they take him off, they take them off. Um, and you would think that that sign would be all that is needed, right? That would be of the, all these signs, that would be the final sign. Um, and yet Jesus here, he says, ah, no, there's one more sign uh, that is the sign that all the other ones are pointing to, really. Um, and that is the sign of the seed. Jesus is basically saying in this passage, I am the seed. Um, he says, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the door, all those things. And here he says, I am the seed, I am the seed king. I'm going to be buried in the earth. I'm going to, be, I'm going to come undone completely. And I'm going to rise and bring life to the world. I'm going to be the grand sign uh, the sign that all of history is pointing to. Christians believe that this sign of the seed is the center of history. Everything before it pointing is pointing to it, and everything after it is looking back on it. And this is a great passage. Um, as Tom was saying, this is Holy Week, and we're going to watch this week, we're going to watch the seed be arrested we're going to watch the seed be tortured and killed and buried in the ground. And um, it looks like it's over. The Gospel of John, I think more than any other Gospels, focuses on the body of Christ, the body that's taken down from the cross. And you have Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and they wrap the body, you know, in these spiced claws and they carefully put the body into the tomb. Uh, and there's this great, you know, there's description of where it is, and it's laid there. And it's like God is a gardener. And he's taking the seed of his son, the broken body, and putting it in the ground. Um, and like good seed in good ground, it comes up and multiplied life. Um, there's three words from this text I just want us to think about as guides. Uh, the first word is the word the Greeks in verse 20. If you want to look on there, circle the word the Greeks. The second word is, is the hour. The Greeks and the hour. And then the third, that's in verse 23. And the third word is the much fruit from verse 24. And each of these like all of scripture invites you uh, not just to know some things, but to uh, have greater wonder at the love of God, um, a greater sense of I'm giving myself completely, God, to you, as you've given yourself completely to me. So let's start with the Greeks. Um, a friend of mine is a professional comedian, and uh, for a lot of his career, he struggled, you know, just doing clubs and different things. But then he got a primetime spot on on TV, and his career after that just made a turn and 
took off, right? He went viral, right? And um, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, it's kind of like that. It's very public. It's more public than any of his other miracles. It's a huge sign, a huge crowd, and he has a whole new level of fame, and everyone is talking about it. And in the passage there, it says this makes some people very nervous. Um, Verse 19, the Pharisees say, the whole world has gone after him. So Jesus, through this sign, is going viral. And this is right after the triumphal entry, where he's actually being hailed as the coming king, going up into Jerusalem. Uh, And then it says in verse 20, it says, now there were some Greeks. Uh, And when it says these Greeks, it doesn't necessarily uh, mean ethnically Greek people. Uh, In those days, you would refer to Greeks as people who spoke Greek, so it's a language kind of thing. Greek was the language other than Hebrew. So Greeks here is the peoples of the world outside Israel. And they come knocking at the door at this time in Jesus' career. And it's pretty strange what happens. The Greeks come to Philip, who is Greek, in the sense that he has his Greek name. And so they go to him, and Philip goes to Andrew, and Andrew and Philip together go to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, there's some folks here who want to see you. Uh, They would like an audience with you. You know, when Jesus was born, you have the wise men, the magi that come, you know, Mary and Joseph, and they say the same thing. We want to see Jesus. But for the most part, Jesus' ministry is not focused on those kind of people. Uh, Jesus goes to the Jewish people in the land of Israel, uh, on your iPhone, when you take a picture, there's portrait mode. You know, portrait mode is just you focus on like the face and the rest of it is kind of dim and blurry. That's how Jesus' ministry is. He's focused on the Jewish people. And there's still the background, but it's kind of fuzzy and blurry. But as things progress, all of a sudden, that background becomes more and more apparent becomes a bigger thing, and you realize that Jesus had that in mind the whole time. And these Greeks come knocking at the door, and the world is knocking at the door, saying, Jesus, let us in. And here's what is really odd, but very, very instructive. When the Greeks show up, you would think that Jesus would say, welcome, come on in. I've been waiting for you. Let's talk. But he doesn't open the door yet, right? He doesn't open the door yet. He's he's basically saying, you know, dinner is not ready yet. You're just a little bit early, Greeks. You're four days early. Come back in a week. There's some other preparations that need to happen so that the welcome, um, before the great welcome can begin. So the Greeks knock on the door, they're showing up, and uh, that leads to the next word. 
the hour. The Greeks, and then the hour. In verse 23, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Something in the Greeks coming clicks this, this hour. And if you, again, you read through the Gospel of John, one of the themes woven through is this term, the hour. When Jesus is at the wedding and his mom asks him to do something, and he says, my hour has not yet come. And there's several times where he's saying, the hour is coming, it's coming, it's coming. And finally here, when the Greeks show up, he says, the hour has come. Um, my hour has come. It's like, you know, your kids are driving. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you kind of get used to saying, no, 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 not, not yet, not yet. And finally, when you get there, are we there yet? Yes, right? The hour has come. We're here. And what's Jesus talking about? He ties it in, this hour, with the Son of Man and the glory Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Uh, and the Son of Man in the Gospels is Jesus' favorite uh, term for himself. Favorite title, he calls himself the Son of Man. He doesn't call himself too many other things. And he's not just kind of being humble, I'm just a Son of Man, or I'm human like everybody else. It's pointing to the specific Old Testament prophecies in Ezekiel and in Daniel where the Son of Man figure has a special role to play in God's kingdom. And um, Daniel 7, especially, <clears throat> verses 13 and 14, you know, if you want to know Jesus' kind of psyche and what he thinks about his mission, uh, immerse yourself in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, because he, he obviously has that in his mind as he, he's going through this. Here's the vision that Daniel has. And in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. So the son of man figure is going up. He approached the Ancient of Days, Ancient of Days is another term for the eternal God and was led into his presence. So he's the Son of Man figure is led into the presence of the Ancient of Days, coming before the great king. And the Son of Man is received. And he's not just received, but he's lavished with gifts. Verse 14 of Daniel 7 says this, He was given authority, he was given glory, He's given sovereign power, and then it describes this. It says, all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. There's some pretty big you know, promises and terms and realities these gifts. This is a coronation. The Son of Man is being crowned by the Ancient of Days as the whole world's true king, forever and ever and ever. And Jesus has just ridden into Jerusalem 
and been proclaimed as king. The whole world is going after him. The Greeks are knocking at the door, you know. And the cue, it's coronation time. It's time for my coronation, Jesus says. It's time when all nations will be given to me by my Father. It's glory time. And again, you would expect that Jesus would then open the door and say, Greeks, come on in. Everyone else, come on in. We're going up to Jerusalem. We're going to go talk to King Herod and uh, see how this kingdom unfolds. Instead, right there, right there, Jesus stops and he tells this parable. And it's, it's just stunning. Right there, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The Son of Man is also the grain of wheat. He's the seed king. You get the feeling Jesus is talking to them, but he's also talking to himself in this. He's reflecting. He knows what's coming up. He's reflecting on that. And it's like, okay, a grain of wheat can play it safe just by being remaining a grain of wheat. I can remain intact. I can have my shell. I can be protected. Or I can risk it, and I can go down. I can go down into the ground, you know, and a seed comes completely undone. I can give myself and faith and hope and love to the one who sent me on this journey in the first place. And there's a real struggle going on in Jesus. You see that in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see that here. He was troubled. Uh, There's a double thing happening. The hour has a dark side to it. It's time for me to go up, and it's time for me to go down. It's time for me to be crowned, It's time for defeating the enemy, and it's time for me to be defeated and to suffer and to die. It's the hour of glory and the hour of suffering. And those two things are the key of understanding Jesus, and key of understanding this week, key of understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus, This glory and suffering coming together. Isaiah 53 is another famous background passage. Just going to read a couple verses. It begins this way. See my servant, God says, will act wisely. He'll be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Get this picture of glory. And then the next verse. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond likeness. So which is it? Is it up or is it down? Is he exalted or is he rejected? Is he received and celebrated or is he abandoned and forsaken? And the answer to that is world-changing because it's both. It's a beautiful answer. And that answer changes the way we see authority, changes the way we live. Uh, 
The, surf, the suffering servant in the Bible is the exalted king. You know, some of the Old Testament folks that used to study this, they thought there was two, maybe two messiahs. One was like a king coming in, conquering like David, and the other one was this suffering person. They can't be the same. There's got to be two different people, and Jesus, the two, the, the two rivers merge together. The crucified one is the risen one. The risen one is the crucified one. And Jesus now stands in glory, right, as the risen king with the suffering marks in his hands, right? Full of compassion for broken sinners with a punctured side. And that creates a unique savior and a unique identity for those who follow him. So the hour is this all-inclusive term, the time of Jesus uh, that never passes away. This kind of shorthand for the whole story compacted together. And that just leads to the final word here. The next word is much fruit. Jesus envisions his journey his hour as being extremely, extremely fruitful. On the third day of creation, where God, you know, there's the dry land, and, and you wonder what's going to happen next. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation on the third day. And it could have just stopped there. We say, okay, on the third day there's plants, right? Plants and trees and stuff. But it goes into great detail the third day. Plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And we kind of take seeds for granted. I know I do. Uh, they're kind of hidden, and you don't really see them too much, except in those little packages sometimes. I was out yesterday. It's such a beautiful day. And everyone was out riding bikes, and all this life was going on, and plants, and the flowers were blooming, and it was just amazing. And I was thinking about seeds, um, and I was thinking, you know, in order for all this to happen... The seeds have done all the, the dirty work, right? <laughs> Underneath all the food that comes up, seeds have gone through a death and a resurrection. The air we breathe, the oxygen that comes from the plants, it's the work of seeds that have gone through death and resurrection. All the beauty that we see, even as we look out at the leaves and the flowers, come from seeds going through death and resurrection, the whole world is absolutely dependent on the death and resurrection of seeds, of these small suffering servants. And so from the very beginning, God has hardwired that truth into creation. Death and resurrection is the source of all multiplied life. It's surrounding us. And so Jesus is standing there, the Greeks knocking at the door. He's on the cusp of new creation, right? 
and it's another third day is coming. And Jesus looks ahead and he sees the extreme suffering. He sees uh, what that um, catechism question outlined, uh, the horrors, his betrayal, his abandonment, his torture, darkness, unimaginable abandonment, and death. He sees those on a seed journey that he's going to take. But he also sees something else. He sees much fruit. Right? He's heading towards these things, seeing much fruit. And when we stop and reflect on that, that means he's seeing you as part of the much fruit. He's seeing your children, right? And by God's grace, your children's children. And he's seeing people that come through portals at airports. He's seeing David and Summer and their children. He sees Indelible Grace Church. Years and years and years of folks coming in these doors. Um, And out of faithful love, and and the Bible says the joy set before him. How did he do this? The joy set before him. He sees it. And he says yes to the seed path. And when he does that, he offers himself completely, without reserve. Completely, for the Father's glory. Glorify yourself. And what does the Father do? Father can't remain quiet here. I love this. There's only a few times where this voice breaks in from heaven. And this is one of them right here. Father from heaven can't keep quiet in this thundering voice. He says, yes, yes, glory. It keeps getting repeated. Glory, 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 glory. This is glory. The whole thing, the seed story is a glory story. It's dipping, dripping with extreme glory pouring over the whole thing. Jesus, the seed king, is then weighed down. He doesn't just go by himself, you know. He gets weighed down with all the sins of all the world, all the peoples of the world. My sin, your sin, he takes it all on. All the brokenness, all the bitterness, all the betrayal, all the violence uh, goes down with him. And then the third day he comes out of the ground. God lifts him up. It's been paid for. It's died. And new life has risen. God raises him up. And he comes out like, he doesn't come out, you know, in vengeance, pulling his sword out and saying, okay, now it's your time. He comes out with these open, welcome arms, right? He comes out and he shows them his hands and his side. And he says, peace be with you. And he says now to everyone, everyone who will, come home, come in. Dinner is served. The hour is here. And there's more than enough for you. There's more than enough for all, all peoples. So as we come to the Lord's Supper, as we come to this, uh, every sermon kind of is just a a long introduction to the Lord's Supper, right? Uh, We come to this, there's this invitation as we come. Uh, Invitation is to, 
Just open your hands and say yes to the Seed King. Welcome his welcome. Let him plant his kingdom of peace in your heart, his kingdom of justice, kingdom of love deep within you. The call each week is this invitation to receive for the first time or the hundredth time the seed king of glory. Whatever image helps you, I'm going to open the gates and let the king ride in today. Have victory over me. I'm going to let him plant his seed in my heart and let it grow more and more in me. And the second invitation is to say yes to following Jesus. Jesus clearly in this passage is just saying, it's not just me. Those who follow me will take this path. Say yes to losing your life and truly finding it and having him find you. Give your life away in love. Give yourself completely like Jesus, to the one who's given himself completely for you. Would you please uh, just pray with me? Lord, we thank you uh, that on this Palm Sunday, uh, we can um, come knocking at the door uh, and we are accepted, we are welcomed, the work is finished. Um, You have done it. We thank you that uh, the bread of life Uh, feeds us. We thank you for uh, the welcome of the King. We thank you for the life of the seed in us. Would you enable us to receive and live out um, this fruitfulness uh, here and now and in the days to come. We're grateful in Christ's name. Amen. Seems very appropriate uh, to just, and if you think about a loaf of bread, uh, it has this this origin story as a seed, a seed that has come up and crushed and now is given for life, for food. We don't just watch the bread, right? We eat it, we take it in, we take in this seed king's life. And the, the wine is crushed seeds of the grape, right? Crushed fruit. It's gone through passion. And Jesus said, this is my blood given for you. Um, So each week at Indelible Grace, we um, remember these things. We receive Christ uh, in faith as we come to uh, his table. And he meets us. He promises to do that. If you are a follower of Jesus, uh, this is a, a meal for you. If that's not where where you are at this point, if you're uh, just exploring the Christian faith, it's so good for you to be here, um, and we're delighted. Keep thinking about what would it mean for me to have uh, a relationship with God where it's so close that He could come inside of me and I can live in Him. Um, Keep asking questions. Keep, keep coming back until the joy comes in your life. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus was thinking about us, right? 
he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, take, eat. The same way after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new arrangement, the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. Um, New creation, drink. Let's drink together. Would you please pray? Lord, thank you for uh, pouring out the gifts on the Son of Man as he comes uh, and finished work before you. And thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for pouring out all the blessings of new creation on us, your children. We are um, forever grateful. In the name of our Savior, Jesus, amen.